Welcome to episode 1055 of The Sleeper on the Bus. I'm Justin Mason, joined as always on Sundays by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing, my friend? Uh, not bad. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, hoping it's not going to be too hot. You and I uh, and our guests were talking about uh, the yeah. awful weather in all of our locations. We won't bore you with that, but we will... <laughs> Uh, in- excite you with our amazing guest today. It is Eric Samolski of Tailgate Sports, the Catcher's Corner, Rotor Baller, um, MI- multiple FSWA award winner, um, and uh, something about Air Dog in, his, in, in NBA Jam in his uh, profile on Twitter. You can reach him on Twitter at uh, SamskyNYC. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks. That's bordering on like that Daenerys Targaryen list of uh, titles that mm-hmm. you're giving me right there. Yeah, right. I'm always I'm happy to be say, here. Guys. I'm just gonna say, ask the question: Which is higher total, the the places that Eric's work can be found, or the number of products that Shaq is now pimping? Every time I have a commercial, Shaq's on it now. Uh, you know, the general. Uh, yeah, it's like every other product these days, like just Shaq in it. The guy is. I mean got to be a billionaire at this point uh, i think he, he just is, i think he just became worth a billion insane. dollars right uh, it's insane but every time i hear a commercial shaq's voice i get your steam or hear him and you know and then you just ran through a whole title there uh you know that's yeah. quite the intro Sad, sadly shaq's the billionaire and you know i'm nowhere near that you got to be getting so. close right no? i think it, yeah we're just one day at a time just scratching and clawing closer that's progress <laughs> uh uh, I already said where you can reach on Twitter. Uh, talk a little about what you do in the industry. Um, you've had quite the emergence uh, culminating in two FSWA awards uh, this year. Yeah, so um, the FSWA award for uh, was for ongoing baseball series and best ongoing football series. The baseball series is a series I do at Rotoballer, which I'm still doing this year, called um, Pitchers with New Pitches and Should We Care, which uh, basically just examines pitchers who are utilizing a new pitch or um, like a a reshaped pitch in their arsenal and just kind of breaking down if it's actually, you know, positive or not, if it does anything to make their arsenal uh, different, if it, you know, helps certain other pitches play up. Um, And then I'm looking at, I do a a semi-weekly series on Rotoballer, also looking at um, the minor league leaderboard. So not just looking at like top prospects, but just looking at like who's performing really well in the minors right now and trying to get a sense of like, What's their path to playing time? You know, can they call up? And, um, you know, it's a little bit of like a kind of it works sometimes a little bit of a hat tip to, you know, what Alex Chamberlain used to do over at at Fangraphs of like the uh, peripheral prospects, just because, you know, some of the articles like the first article featured Jack Sawinski of the Pirates. And you're just like, he might get called up now because they don't have anybody else. Um, And then you can find my my sports betting stuff over at uh, Tailgate Sports. I do a daily MLB betting guide that features kind of like the rundown of each day's games with some of the best bets. And, you know, we're covering the NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs. So that's all over there as well. Nice. Uh, Betting is becoming uh, big. I haven't dipped my toes in on baseball betting. I have a hard time with baseball betting. It's tough. I mean, I think like you, you think that you know a lot about baseball and you think that you can adjust like based on the starting pitchers and based on the bullpens and stuff that like, you know, in your head, you're like, oh, the casual fan might not know this. But then, you know, as you know, just any day in baseball 
can be drastically mm-hmm. different than the day before for no rhyme or reason whatsoever. Um, so, you know, you feel confident in something and then, you know, it doesn't happen or, you know, the best are like the over under bets where you're like, Oh, this game is definitely going to go under. And then all of a sudden one run scores in the ninth. And the next thing you know, it's a 13 inning game and you know, you've been left in the lurch a long ago. Um, <laughs> and I will say just one other thing. Uh, I just released a video on the Roto Baller YouTube account, uh, when you can also find it linked on Twitter today, which was my the first of my uh, pitching deep dive videos that I did last year that I'm starting again this year. Oh, I, looked nice. at, um, I looked at Eric Lauer because that was he won the Twitter poll. Um, so we're getting started back into those videos again. Uh, I, those are absolutely fantastic. Definitely go and watch those videos. Uh, I, I love those. Uh, Thank so, you. Uh, Definitely, uh, definitely go give Eric a follow again at CMSKI NYC. We follow Jason at Jason Collette and me at Justin Mason FWFB. Let's dive in. We've got uh, some fab to talk about today, but first, it's Rays Corner uh, because there's lots going on with the Rays right now, um, and there isn't really much news outside of the Rays that we're not going to cover in our fab uh, kind of section. So. Uh, let's start with uh, Kittredge is going to the IL uh, due to ongoing back issues. Um, this, you know, we talked, I think, about this last week in terms of who might be next man up. But, Jason, what is your feeling in terms of the Rays bullpen right now? Yeah, and I was glad you uh, reminded folks. We did talk about this last week and the concerns I had with Kittredge. Uh, you know, he had lost some of his whiffiness. And with this ongoing back issue, now it explains why he wasn't able to finish off some of his pitches. The slider wasn't doing what it normally does. He had just lost some whiffiness to him. So um, he hasn't pitched since Wednesday. So this may be just a this week thing, uh, if it's a minimum 10 days uh, with it. So that'll be helpful. Uh, I think, honestly, the bullpen becomes matchup uh, situations where it could be you know, Brooks Raley if it's if it's a tough lefty. Like we mentioned last week, let's say they do have the Yankees this coming weekend. I thought it was this current weekend, but no, it's Baltimore. Uh, and But, you know, they could, if Anthony Rizzo's up there, maybe they bring in Rayleigh. Um, Jason Adams certainly pitched nice. J.P. Fireisen has pitched amazingly well um, out of the bullpen. It could be him as well. So they've got options. Uh, you know, one thing they don't have, and even Colin Poche, another guy uh, as well. But, uh, you know, one guy who won't be coming back is J.T. Chargois. He actually has an oblique, a, sec- a grade two oblique strain that he hurt warming up on his rehab appearance. Uh, so he he was supposed to be on the way back. Uh, he's going to be out while he's on the 60-day IL. They just kind of pushed him back, and they called up Dustin Knight for, you know, filler Dustin Knight. The only reason uh, I bring up his name is because uh, in the minors, he likes to do a standing backflip when he saves a game. Uh, it's pretty impressive. You should check it out on YouTube. Uh, I don't see him doing it at the major league level. Uh I also don't see him closing a game out at the major league level. Like he and Ralph Garza Jr. are like the end of the bullpen type of situation. But did we lose Jason? We may have lost Jason. Looks like he froze. All right. Well, uh, we'll. we'll um... It's cold. There we go. We're oh. back. All right. That was bad. That was weird. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, everything froze. And then on the hitting side. Uh, Wander Franco's day to day with quad injury. If you watch the uh, the Friday night game where he uh, got tagged out at home plate trying to score the go ahead run in the 12th, the uh, looked a little awkward. Uh, and he sat out yesterday, he's not playing today as we're recording Sunday. Uh, and they're hoping he avoids the IL. Uh, Kevin Cash said some of it, it's been lingering for like a week, uh, plus, uh, with it. And they said some of it's playing on the turf at Tropicana. 
get a new stadium, please. Uh, and then Yandy Diaz hurt his shoulder, also going in the home uh, yesterday on a slide. Didn't look great. He's out of the lineup today as well. Day-to-day, they're hoping he can avoid the I.L. Um, so bullpen's kind of uncertain. And then the left side of the infield is kind of uncertain for the next, at least for the next couple of days, as they hope both these guys can avoid the I.L. Uh, with it. So there's all the news for Ray's corner, uh, at least on the bad side. All right. Uh, why don't we start with the bullpen, Eric? Do you have a favorite guy who could kind of emerge as there's obviously not going to be a, an, like a, a, a one guy that's going to emerge right. in the Rays bullpen, but you have a favorite out of the group that you might take a shot on and fab this week. Yeah. I mean, like selfishly, I'll pull for uh, Jason Adam because I wrote a bold predictions article at the beginning of the year that said he'd lead the Rays and saves because there's always like a random reliever that emerges for them. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case. So I don't think people should be bidding on him thinking he's going to lead the Rays and saves. Uh, but he currently leads the the Rays bullpen in swinging strike rate uh, at 17.5% on the year. Um, I, when I watch him, I, I think he's really effective. So, you know, I, I think that, um, and he has handled high leverage situations for them, you know, in the eighth inning with middle of the orders coming up. So I, I like Jason Adam. Um, Fire Eisen has also been really good. Uh, I, I think I would put small bids in on all three of the guys that, you know, Jason named, Jason Adam, JP Fire Eisen, and Brooks Raley, because, you know, they're, you don't really know who it's going to be. Um, and depending on the day and depending on, you know, the, the spot in the lineup where the opponent has, you know, people coming up, you might get a different person. Uh, but I think all three of them, if you need, you know, a, a relief pitcher, are worth being used because of the the frequency with which they pitch for the Rays um, and the fact that, you know, they've been pitching relatively well. I will say if you're, you know, if you're looking for just a one-week thing, it's two games against Miami and then four games against the Yankees. I don't, I mean, you know, that's not a knock on the Rays, but the Yankees are playing incredible baseball right now. So I don't really know how many saves you're looking at um, when you've got four of six games against the Yankees. So just, you know, keep that in mind when you're, when you're, I mean, when people are setting bids, but also going forward too. Yeah, they've used 21 different relievers this year. Uh, so, And they, they keep cycling through. And the, the crazy thing is Kittredge was actually leading the bullpen in innings pitch. Uh, he had 18 innings in 15 games. Uh, so he you know, was a little bit concerned about his usage rate already, uh, considering how frequently he had been out there. I think we hinted a little bit about that last week. But, yeah, it's just here comes some more guys. They've already called some guys up, DFA'd him. I'm looking through the name. I'm like, oh, yeah, Javi Guerra did pitch in this bullpen at one point. Calvin Foucher did pitch in this bullpen at one point. Uh, Chris Mazza was here. Uh, you know, Tommy Romero was here, albeit briefly. Robert Duggar, who I think is on his third team now already this season. Um, and so they've already started flipping through guys. I, I just don't know what else, you know, who else they could possibly get up because they had to add Dustin Knight to the 40-man roster because he wasn't on it. Uh, and that moved Sharp out of the 60. And so that's how that uh, took place. But yeah, it is uh, it is what it is. And I think, honestly, it's just going to be a matchup situation. Uh, and um, I forgot, even Brett Phillips counts as a reliever because he's pitched twice. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, then uh, I, I tend to agree with you guys. So I'm not going to um, beleaguer uh, Duma or, well, well, I can't even talk. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, any, any, I mean, obviously, there's nothing you can really do with Franco. You've just kind of got to hold on and see whether or not he gets put on the IL, whether you can put him uh, on the IL in your league. 
Yandi Diaz is likely a fringe kind of roster guy in most leagues that he's rostered in anyway. Anyways, at this point, Eric, would you drop Yandi Diaz for another, you know, corner bat uh, considering he's day to day and we don't know if he's going to hit the IL or not? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on what you need. Uh, you know, he's, he's been a batting average help this year, um, which across major league baseball has obviously been in, been really important. Um, you know, we're seeing batting average tick up lately. I know uh, Jason tweeted something out about that as well. Just, you know, that batting averages are going up. However, you know, a 282 batting average has been really helpful to you. You know, the power is not there and, you know, the, the runs and RBIs are going to be fine, but not great. So if you definitely need at bats, you know, I would rather, I'd rather drop him then take a zero. I don't necessarily think that you're going to be looking back at your season, you know, bemoaning the day you dropped Yandy Diaz. Um, so I think if you need the spot, I, I would move on from him. Um, I would even maybe move on to somebody on his own team that we're going to talk about a little bit later on. All right. We'll get there in a second. A little add, bit... I would add two things. Real oh, quick, though. Uh, you know, in the month of May, Yandy Diaz is hitting 267 with two homers, 10 runs and six RBI. So like you said, he's kind of there. Um, but he had – it was in 298 back in March and April. Uh, but one of the things that's quietly flown under the radar is just how bad Wander Franco has been in May. Uh, I don't know. Maybe if, if folks uh, have him on the roster, they understand just how bad he's been in May as he's tried to play his way through these leg injuries. Um, but he's got a triple slash of 203, 243, 217 in May. Uh, so if maybe he, maybe he should go to the I.L., take a week off and reset himself because it's been rough. Uh, in Maine, he looked great. Uh, and the thing is, he's still playing very well defensively. Looked great March, April, but May at the plate has just not been good. And how many times have we said it on this podcast? Hitters are nothing without their lower half. And if he's struggling with a lower half injury, it's going to carry over into this hitting. And it is. Uh, so maybe they should put him in the aisle since he hasn't played yesterday. He's not going to play today. There's a two game head start. Uh, you know, I get it. Like you're going into the, you know, they, they're going into New York next week. They want to have them available because they're five and a half back and you don't want to go up there and get railroaded. And then all of a sudden you're, you're, you know, maybe eight and a half out by the end of next week. Um, so I get it, but at the same point, he has really been struggling. Yeah. Also the reason why you don't do a victory lap in April is you never know what May is going to bring. Um, for those of you who were victory lapping on me on Wonder Franco uh, last month, so um, anyways, let's uh, let's uh, talk about some breaking news. Uh, Eric pointed out that Stephen Matz uh, left his start after only throwing four pitches. Um, they're calling it shoulder stiffness initially. Um, how concerned are you on this one, Eric? I mean, anytime you hear shoulder, I think there's a there is a certain level of concern. Um, and then I think the other thing that intrigues me is like, you know, we just saw, and I, I never want to speculate on a player's health, right? But we just saw um, the Cardinals place Tyler O'Neill on the IL with uh, with a shoulder injury that felt to me a little bit like a hey, you need a you need a break. Right. Like maybe he's he could certainly be sore. He could certainly be in pain. Things that guys normally play through during the year. And it's just like we need to hit the reset button. You know, it's been a slow start to the year for him. Um, and I think that you could see a similar situation with Matt's, um, who I know, you know, people have been 
uh, intrigued by the underlying metrics. And obviously, you know, the strikeout rate has been nice, but the, you know, the actual surface level results um, have not been all that great. He's giving up a lot of home runs. So it might, even if it's not a major injury, might lead to an IL stint to just kind of like reset, get some things, you know, tweaked and, and ready um, and, you know, have some time to get him to get him back. So, yeah, listen, you know, I, I've never been a huge Steven Matz believer, though. So I'm I'm content to move on personally um, just because I, I personally was never buying the breakout next level. So maybe I'm just overly harsh uh, on, you know, his outlook. You can't be overly harsh on Steven Matz. Yes. Sure. <laughs> Speaking of not buying the hype, Jason, what are your thoughts on this? Are you Would you drop Steven Matz in a league? I didn't even have him anywhere. So it's just it, – in all seriousness, no, though, I, I get it. I see why people were were drawn to him because they're – you know, the – the defense, you know, Matt's mm-hmm. ability to generate ground balls, the the Cardinals defense, there was a lot to like, I was still out on him. Uh, and I, I'm not saying, haha, I'm right uh, on this, but I just didn't have him anywhere. Uh, but with shoulder trouble with pitchers, I mean, you're looking at, can you carry this for a minimum of a month? That's what it's going to take to get mm-hmm. him back in a normal spot. Can you, are you willing to carry him for a month? Given what he's done to date? No. So, mm-hmm. you know, taking off my, my biased hat, <laughs> no, he's droppable. Yeah, and, and I am very invested in Matt's uh, and what's very high on him coming into the season. Um, in spite of, like, kind of some some shaky early season numbers, through his first uh, five starts, he only gave up one home run. He, he The underlying numbers said he was fine um, and that he was going to turn around. The last three games, he's given up a total of eight home runs. Uh, of course, that does not include today where he only threw four pitches. Uh, it was in clear pain when, when I just watched the video uh, when he uh, threw that last pitch and left the mound. So um, obviously, if you're in a league where you can IL or want to IL, um, you might want to just hold on to him just so you can throw him on the IL. However, if there's any sort of roster crunch, if you're in a league where you can't IL him, if you want to make a move tonight, and the Cardinals have not thrown him on the IL, and you don't want to uh, roll with an empty uh, reserve spot next week, I completely understand dropping him. Uh, he is likely, in my NFBC leagues where we don't have IL spots, he's likely going to get dropped um, mm-hmm. uh, by me uh, unless we get some sort of reassuring news. Um, and we will talk about... Uh, <clears throat> uh, Matthew Libertor, uh and what people would be willing to bid on him and fab, even though he was optioned. Um, <laughs> he may be right back. Yeah. If Matt's in the IL, he's going to be right back into that rotation. So and that's the rule. That's the thing too. He doesn't normally, but there's a cooling off period, but if it's yeah, to 10, injury, 10 or 15 he days, yeah. he can literally do the old man in the Simpsons thing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. right back. Uh, because I can't just rack, up, rack up those freaking flyer miles. And yeah, why would he probably hadn't even left Pittsburgh? He's probably still in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, just leave him there. But yeah, so I can uh, if they if they called him up yesterday to pitch. Why wouldn't they just leave him up there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, let's move on into Fab. <clears throat> we didn't know that uh, we were going to have a breaking news update, and so we put Isaac Paredes uh, kind of at the top to follow Ray's corner. Um, he's playing decently well. This is a former top prospect for the Tigers uh, that the Rays acquired. 
Um, he hit two home runs uh, the other day. What are your thoughts, Jason, on Isaac Paredes? Is he a guy you'd be targeting in FAB this week? First of all, we have to do correct name pronunciations. His oh. name is Isak. Oh, Isak is it? Paredes. And I only know this from the broadcast. Okay. Uh, so I've always called him Isaac. No, it's Isak. Uh, so okay. and so it was fun to watch his revenge game the other day against the Tigers because he now has two more home runs and Austin Meadows has suck it Paul uh, so <laughs> he has his he has his home runs because uh, he had two off the Tigers and and Austin Meadows uh, still has zero and, and won't have one for a while because he's on the IL uh, so with Paredes with, with talking about what we said earlier with with Diaz or Franco if either one of those guys goes to the IL, this is the guy that's going to take the, that playing time. Uh, he was a guy that came in last night, uh, Paredes was, to replace Diaz when Diaz came out of the game. Uh, you know, he is, he's got the flexibility. He truly could play any of the four infield spots if, if needed. Uh, so he could get in there. And at some point, even when those guys come back healthy, I know that the club values defense and whatever, and that's why Brett, Brett Phillips is still playing and whatnot. But Taylor Walls, it, it's just not hitting. Uh, yeah, he's still out there playing really good defense, but he is simply not hitting. Uh, and, and they're trying to play Vidal Brujan right now, who is also not hitting, uh, and, but is playing some defense. So at some point, there's got to be some give and take uh, to that point. So uh, if Paredes can continue to hit if he gets the opportunity, I could see him hanging around a little longer uh, than that. But you know, he's shown what he can do in the minor league level, but has yet to, yet to have that stickiness at the major league level. But it was a good week for him. But if you want to speculate on some playing time, this is now the time to do it, especially if they're not going to IL people today. Go ahead and put the cheap spec bid on, see what happens. Maybe Monday they're like, oh, hey, these guys are going to the IL, and all of a sudden it's, it's Paredes week, and he's got a six-game week with um, you know with four of them coming at Yankee Stadium. Eric, would you be uh, picking up Paredes? I would, yeah. Um, you know, I think – it depends on, you know, it depends on your league type. You are taking a flyer, right? Because we don't really know what, what type of results we're going to get. Um, but I like a lot of the things I'm seeing him do, you know, in his 11 games uh, that he's currently had up in the majors with Tampa. Uh, remember, this is a 23-year-old, and they went out, uh, you know, the articles I was reading, and Jason correct, can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like they targeted him. Like, they wanted to get him in their organization, um, and, you know, the Rays are a smart organization, so that is something that, you know, always kind of uh, intrigues me. And then I'm also seeing, you know, he's come up, and it's it's early, so we don't want to overreact, but, you know, he was pulling the ball a lot more in AAA. He's pulling the ball a lot more in the major league level. He's lifting the ball a lot more. His fly ball rate is, is up. He's hitting the ball hard. Um, again, super small sample, but, you know, 43 and a half hard hit rate, 8.7% barrel rate. So you're hitting the ball hard, you're pulling it more, you're lifting it more. You know, those are things that could lead to, you know, a, a power breakthrough for somebody who's only 23 years old, right? So there, there is still definite upside for him there. Um, and I, you know, obviously it's a good lineup. So if he hits well enough to stick in that lineup, he's never really been a high strikeout rate guy through any of his stops mm -hmm. in the minor leagues. He, you know, he makes good contact. So, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. Uh, I'm intrigued as well. I've always been a, a Paredes fan. Uh, in, you know, I had him in a number of dynasty leagues. I uh, do want to point out, too, that he today is in the lineup playing third base. It's his 10th game playing third base, which means he'll be picking up third base eligibility. He was second base eligible coming into the season in most leagues, which, uh, you know, something Paul and I always talk about is having those guys who are not only multi-position eligible but can fill – 
more than just two those two spots, right? So right. he can fill second, third, short, and corner um, on your roster. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think he's a guy that, especially in deeper leagues, obviously in 10s and 12s, you're probably not – uh, you're probably not speculating or just kind of watching to see uh, what his playing time situation works out to be if guys go on the IL. But in 15-team leagues, I think he probably should be rostered uh, in the majority of those leagues. And so I would pick him up on kind of a spec pick. And I don't think he's going to cost uh, an extreme amount, especially with other guys that we're going to talk about here next uh, that are uh, that have come up to the major leagues and are going to go for a lot in fab. Yeah. Also wanted to point out, because I've said it twice now, uh, the games against the Yankees are, in fact, at Tropicana Field and not Yankee Stadium. So mm-hmm. my bad uh, on that. There we go. Uh, so uh, the the big one that's going to be available in FAB in a lot of leagues uh, this week is Adelie Rushman, uh, who made his major league debut, started it off by hitting a triple. Uh, he's He's was already being drafted as like a top 15 catcher um, in most NFBC leagues coming into the season, uh, which means he may not be available in some leagues. People, some people have been stashing him, but how aggressive would you be on Rushman, uh, Jason, if he was available in your league? So Washington last night is a little different, but what was so impressive to me is the first at bat was against Jeff Springs. Uh, or Jeffrey Springs, and he, he uh, fouled off a fastball, but then he swung at every changeup Springs threw him, and he didn't. He like barely dinked one foul, but then struck out uh, on on a changeup in his first plate appearance. Uh, the second plate appearance took a walk and spit on three changeups, and these weren't garbage changeups; these were good, right on the fringe of the zone. But he never even flinched at him. He recognized the pitch out of the hands, knew it. You know, it was like, nope, not do it. And that was just back to back plate appearances. So I was extremely impressed by watching that. Uh, and the third at bat, it came against Matt Garza, uh, Matt Garza, Ralph Garza Jr. Uh, came against him, uh, and he ended up tripling down the line. It was one that bounced in the corner, kind of behind mm-hmm. the the oddness of, of Camden, because you know Adley that may be the only triple of his career. <laughs> he may never hit another one, uh, but he got well, he got one there. But he went down and got it. You know, went down to a knee on a pitch that he may have swung over, but he was enough pitch recognition, went down, got it, and golfed it out uh, after working through that count. So you can see why everybody's been gaga over this guy for so long um, with it. And, you know, he's it's not like he's a kid. I mean, yeah, he's got one game of major league experience, but he's 25. <laughs> if not, he's turning 25 soon. I know he's at least 24. Uh, so he has a lot of experience at a, you know, at a premier college uh, program as well. Uh, and so he'll be up hitting, you know, five, you know, probably playing four or five days a week, um, maybe six. Who knows? Who knows how Baltimore is going to play him um, with that. But I, I saw some folks saying he's the top five catcher the rest of the way. And frankly, I can't argue with it. Um, you know, after watching two games in Camden, because I haven't really watched too many Oriole games, uh, left field is clearly a factor. I mean, you have to hit the absolute snot out of a baseball to pull it out in left field. Uh, now, if you hit left center field, you're fine. Uh, but left field, you have to hit a bomb. And like Rosarena hit his second home run yesterday, and it was an absolute cannon off the bat, and it went four rows deep. Uh, you know, last year the outfielder wouldn't even moved. Uh, this year they actually went back like they were going to have a play on the game. So it takes an absolute tank to get it out um, into left field. So, you know, that's going to be a factor um, there. But it's all of a sudden you look at that Baltimore lineup, and it's it's got some depth to it now. Uh, it's not an easy out. The bullpen is pitching well, and I know you're looking at some of the scores 
this week. You're like, yeah, but no, they've got some, they've got signs of progress. And that's what you want to see from a team that's been just God awful for how many years now. Uh, so, you know, Alex, there's, there's hope uh, yeah, fast. Uh, so there's hope there coming. So um, I would be aggressive, uh, but it's at the same point, I know you have to kind of temper that because look at how so many rookies this year have for the most part struggled. They haven't met the expectations. Now, you know, fantasy-wise, yeah, it's been nice for all the steals with Julio Rodriguez, and it's been of late that he's starting to hit, but he got off to such a cold start. Same with Bobby Witt Jr. He got off to a really cool start, and he now he's finally starting. So, you know, you may drop 25 30% of your budget right now, and you may be in for a few weeks of, oh, man, I was hoping for more uh, out of this. But, again, kept the bar catcher so low. Uh, you know, not yeah. much you got to do there, but understand that he's not hitting the ground. He, he shouldn't hit the ground running. Maybe he does, and I look like an idiot. Uh, but, you know, I guess the, the the larger point is just what we saw from plate appearance to plate appearance in his first major league game, what left a lasting impression on me. Eric, how aggressive would you be on Rushman? I mean, this is one of the top prospects in all of baseball. Yeah. I mean, obviously, in a, if he's available in a two-catcher league, you should be super aggressive because, you know, as Jason talked about, the landscape there is not great. Um, and you know he's going to – as long as he's healthy, you know he's going to be up and he's going to be playing. And um, the upside there makes him incredibly valuable in a two-catcher league. Though I would also say that, like, you know, in if you're playing in, like, an NFBC type of format, you don't, definitely don't want to be blowing, like, 25% of your fab on a catcher in my opinion. I just think that, you know, there are there the 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 rookie aspect that Jason's talking about. I think that Rutschman is going to be good for a fantasy catcher this year. But, you know, we haven't seen that like MJ Melendez level power in the minors. There's definitely power potential there, right? But I don't know what you're going to get in terms of, you know, there's going to be some batting average ups and downs because he's a rookie and hitters, pitchers are going to adjust to him and he's going to have to adjust back. So, you know, I would, I would definitely put a, a healthy bid on, but I don't want to empty the coffers, you know, to, uh, for Adley Rutschman. And also, you know, I was just thinking about this. I don't know if I'm alone here, but I, I think that for this season only, we're talking just like redraft leagues. I think I'd rather have MJ Melendez than Adley Rutschman. Um, and I think for me, for fantasy purposes, I think the, the power, we've seen the power for Melendez, and we've seen that power already start to translate at the major league level. He's hitting the snot out of the ball. Um, you know, I know the results uh, have been ticking up of late, but I think he's like hitting 263 right now, uh, 261. But he his barrel rates are ticking up the hard hit rate is up he's when you see him in the box he looks more comfortable now he's squaring the ball up so i i think that you know he's also going to remain in that lineup um even when salvador perez comes back and i just think that the you know the power upside for melendez this year makes me uh maybe a little bit higher on him just for this season i don't think that's like a super hot take necessarily i do wonder what they do playing time wise once they get healthy again. Yeah. Um, I hope you're right. I hope he is an everyday part of that lineup because uh, Melendez is uh, a really, really interesting prospect with um, that has shown amazing power numbers, especially in the minor leagues. Um, I would be kind of aggressive on Rushman in two catcher leagues, maybe not so much in a one catcher league where, um, 
you know, there's replacement value at the position, uh, uh, and it's maybe not as big of an upgrade. I, I do think he has the ability to be a top five catcher the rest of the season. I don't know that I would say that he will be at this point. I think it's just, you know, that park does not play as, as favorably as it used to, as Jason mentioned. Um, and so I wonder what the power numbers are going to look like uh, for him in, in his first go around. Um, that being said, like, especially in a two catcher league, like what's coming up from the minor leagues or going to be coming into the league that is really going to be as potentially impactful as uh, a guy like Rushman can be. Yeah. Um, really. yeah. And I, I mean, so it, and I think this is becomes obviously team context, right? If you've got two usable catchers, you probably don't want to overspend. Um, but more so than that, I really want to look at where I'm at in the standings in certain categories, right? Because what does come in to fab, uh, somewhat regularly um, or, you know, throughout the season is saves, right? Guys get hurt, guys get replaced and you know, a new closer emerges. We're not having that this week necessarily, but if you're struggling in saves or you're struggling in a category, you think you can attain on the wire um, and Rushman doesn't fill that category, obviously with saves. Uh, but even if he, you know, doesn't fill a different category, then maybe you don't want to be as aggressive on him. So you have the fab to go after those pieces later. Um, so it's, it, I, I would be willing in a, you know, he's not available in any of my leagues. Um, you know, in, in all my NFBC leagues, he's already rostered. Um, I have him stashed in tout, uh, and in my other leagues are dynasties. So of course he's, he's rostered, uh, uh, in those leagues as well. Um, but if I, if I was in a position where I needed a catcher at least on the, the wire there, and I'm, I'm able to bid. Yeah, I think I'm going 25%, maybe even at least, of my remaining fab uh, to go get a potential huge upgrade um, at a position that is pretty weak uh, around the league in general. Fair. Fair. Jason, yeah. Jason did you chime in? I can't remember. I did not. I already, oh, already no. talked. I already talked. I said where I was. On. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I, I talked for so long, I forgot whether you had okay. talked about that. Um, uh, the other big prize uh, is going to be Nolan Gorman, um, who made his Major League debut, got a hit in it. Um, Eric, what are your thoughts on Gorman? Is he a guy you would empty the coffers for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I like Gorman. I think, obviously, we've seen, you know, the, the huge power explosion from him in the minors this year. I think, you know, we've seen, um, you know, the Cardinals – are hitting him second tonight uh, today because they this game started like eleven thirty Eastern time. Uh, he's already two for two with an RBI, um, but you know it's like right up and right into the middle of a good lineup. And obviously, you know, for today's game, Goldschmidt isn't in the lineup, so you know they they tend to kind of he hits he will hit at the top of that lineup as well. But it's a good lineup. He's going to hit in the middle of it or near the top of it. Um, I think the hit tool is is real. Um, you know, so I, I really like the potential upside for Gorman. I, I think there are going to be struggles. It just goes back to like what Jason was saying. You know, there's a decent amount of swing and miss in his game and he's a rookie at the major league level and it's hard to make those adjustments. So there are going to be some cold stretches for Nolan Gorman because of the swing and miss in his profile. Hitters are going to take advantage. So I think that you need to, you know, bid with the expectation that it's not going to be just smooth sailing for the whole rest of the season. 
but I think the upside with him is is legit. Um, and I think that you know they called him up with the hopes that he's up for good. You know, this isn't like a, a Jose Miranda situation where he might be going down at any second right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, especially in comparison to that the last Fabapalooza we had with like Juan Yepes and Jose Miranda and Royce Lewis, like I would be bidding much higher on Gorman than any of those guys. Jason, where are you out on Gorman? It's this guy you're going to get aggressive on. So he's been on my radar since last winter uh, when you know, Ian Khan and I were talking. He's like, hey, what do you think about Nolan Gorman for this coming season? Like I'm hearing they're moving him to the infield to play a second base. And I was like, that's interesting. Uh, and obviously it's like you see a lot of highlights. And I know that Shelly has tweeted out some uh, lines every time she'll have a, a line in there about, uh, about Gorman. You can see some of the videos and – I mean, the power's legit, uh, and the thing that, the only thing that concerns me, though, is just that, you know, he was striking out quite a bit at AAA, uh, and so it, he's already, like like Eric said, he's already got two hits today, drove in a run uh, with a double to the gap, so we know what his bat's capable of, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets in the, if he gets on the struggle bus just because of the the issues he had with strikeouts in the minor leagues, but if it comes with that, if it comes with the 15 home runs he hit while in Memphis, yeah, who cares, enjoy the ride. Um, with it and so he's he's in a good spot of the lineup and as long as he can continue to hit and let's not forget this is a team that has shown a willingness to carry guys like this i mean tyler o'neill pretty much stayed in the lineup around all of his tr- uh, struggles too uh you know unless he pulls a paul de young and just cannot hit uh, you know and just that's really that's your exit ticket if he gets into young territory but you know as they've shown they're willing to live with strikeouts as long as the production's there well i mean there is one you know, huge difference between Tyler O'Neill and Gorman. I mean, outside of obviously a major league track record for O'Neill, um, it's he's a really, really good defender, which Gorman is not. Um, yeah. At least he does not grade out to be a really good defender. Um, I I like Gorman a lot. I've got Gorman, I think, in every dynasty league uh, that I'm in, um, and he's been a guy that I I took in DCs uh, coming into the year. The, there is a ton of risk here, though. And, and you know, Paul and I, I won't go too deep into it because Paul and I did talk about Gorman um, on Friday's episode uh, after it was announced that he was being called up. But there is Josh Lowian um, risk. Uh, and what happened with Lowe struck That's out, so much, got, got sent down. Um, there's also huge upside. I mean, Jason mentioned the 15 home runs. It was in 34 games, yeah. those 15 home runs. Also stole three bases in that time. Um, hit for a good average. Like there is a ton of upside here. There's also a ton of downside. Uh, so you need to know that if you're gonna blow a bunch of fab, which I'm going to try to do in a number of leagues this week, so I'm not saying don't do it. Um, that it could be completely wasted capital, right? You could, you could, you know, there were people who spent $500 in fab in the first week of the season on Josh Lowe. Um, that never got anything out of it except for bad st- bad statistics in their in their lineup weekly. So um, I think Gorman's going to be better than that. I do uh, believe in the tool a little bit more than I do in Lowe's, uh, and there's clearly real power in a really good lineup um, and a, a decent division to hit in when you're going up against Reds and, and Pirates pitchers uh, and Cubs pitchers on a regular basis. So. Uh, that being said, there, there's a ton of risk. This is not um, – he, he is a top-tier prospect, but he is not one that has the safe kind of floor that maybe other guys did uh, when they came up. 
And um, I got to be honest. I got to be honest. You said Josh Lowian. I was like, I've never heard of that prospect before. Who is that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I had this moment. I'm like, who is this guy? Well, um, and there. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, we've had guys who we thought had really, really safe floors in recent years. Jared Kulnick uh, comes to mind. Oh man, um, that haven't right. And so mm-hmm. then you then have you look at a prospect like. Gorman, who's got great upside, but doesn't have an inherent safe floor, that that should be really scary. So I, I don't mind people getting aggressive. Like I said, I'm probably going to get aggressive in a few leagues, especially leagues where I need help. Um, but there is a ton of risk here. Yeah. I just wanted to also, while we're on the Cardinals, do a, a little shout out to – I also think that like a small bid – I still think Brendan Donovan remains relevant and interesting – um, the Cardinals played him in right field today. They hit him fifth. Um, he's one for two with two RBIs so far in the last week. He is DH'd, played uh, third, played short, and played right field. Um, so, you know, this is a, uh, another rookie whose plate discipline skills have been really impressive early in the season. Stole 19 bases across three levels uh, last year, um, and they – I think they clearly want him to remain in the lineup because they're moving him all over the place. Um, so this is another one where if you're like in a 15 team league, um, I just think this, you know, this is another opportunity to get some exposure to this lineup. And I picked him up last week and was worried I was going to cut him when Gorman came up. And I think I'm going to hold on for another week because, you know, they clearly want to keep him in the lineup. So just a name for people to keep in mind as well. Very good point. Uh, let's move over to the pitching side. Um, Chase Silseth, uh, and if you're wondering who that is, don't be uh, too down on yourself because I had no idea who this guy was uh, until recently. But he's come up, made two starts for the Angels, won one and lost one, uh, but 10 innings, uh, 10 and a third innings pitch, 10 strikeouts, 261 ERA. Eric, is this a guy that you'd be interested in grabbing in Fab this week? Um, potentially not this week. I do. I do really like, um, Chase Silseth. Um, I watched both starts. Unfortunately, I started him, um, against the, the Mm -hmm. athletics in the second start, uh, which didn't go so well, but it was, um, primarily connected to the long ball. Um, so, you know, he's got good velocity. He can get it up to like 96, 97. Um, the split finger he throws is, is legitimately a, a nasty pitch. Um, but he, even with his two major league starts has made 10 professional starts. Um, so this is a guy with not a lot of experience in the, in professional baseball. There's going to be ups and downs. Um, I just double checked and next week he starts against Toronto. So I'm not touching that. So I, I won't be picking him up this week. Um, I, I think that Silseth is a guy who is really intriguing in keeper and, and dynasty leagues because I think the swing and miss in his arsenal is legitimate um, and that that splitter can work as a really good pitch. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to – I just think he winds up being a streamer for this year, um, and you're not streaming a guy against the Toronto Blue Jays. So in that sense, he's out for me for, for this upcoming week. Jason, where are you at on Silseth? Uh, I have him already. Uh, I picked him up either last scoring period or the period before um, specking out. And so it, it's worked out decently. I mean, the, the, the game against Oakland was was not what I was expecting. Uh, but one of the things I was trying to do is I wanted to look at something because uh, 
I know maybe it's because I follow too many Toronto writers. I know Toronto is just they're they're really upset. Like the the fan base and folks are really upset about how things have been going of late. Uh, and offensively, I man, I forgot who wrote the great article. I'm drawing. A, if you're a, if you're listening to this, you wrote this article. Apologies, I'm forgetting. Somebody wrote a great article about how the league has seemingly figured out the Jays. Oh, I, yeah, I saw was it this. Justin Choi? No, um, it was it was some, it was a Toronto writer. Oh, you know, uh, you know what? I'm sorry, Blake Murphy. That's who it was. Yeah, we, we, we he read DM me about something else the other day. It was Blake, um, and so he's to, he was he's one of the ones that's been tweeting out. But Toronto was 27th this month in OPS as team. And that's just, when you consider what's on their team and the fact that they're having those, they're hitting 219 as a team. So I'm not that scared of them right now of of their potential. You know, the fear as we used to joke and joke around the fear of Toronto is certainly there, but the reality is they've not been a good hitting team this month. Um, Now that could turn around in a diamond with stink. They're like, Oh, I'm going to go ahead and take them. And then, and they go out and they realize, Oh yeah, we're really good. Uh, and he gets pounded. So that would stink. But I would not, you know, I, I bring this up just because, you know, as you're trying to set your lineups, take a look. Toronto's on the struggle bus offensively right now. Enjoy it while you can, because that's not going to last. It just can't. Uh, and so that's where I, I'm, I would stick with still set at least another week here uh, only because I have him and he's going to be in my lineup. Uh, Cause I want to see how much longer this can go on, but they're having, they're having some struggles. And if I can find that article from Blake, I'll send it to you so you can put it in the, uh, um, in the notes. Cause it was a really good read. I enjoyed reading it. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I read it as well. It was a good article. Um, I'm trying to figure out what his next start. There it is. His next start after Toronto is going to be at Philadelphia. Um, and we have to remember too, the angels run a six man rotation. So it's, Rare, if ever, that you're going to get a two-start week from Silseth. Um, yeah. I, I agree with, with Eric's kind of assessment. I like the kind of future upside, um, but they kind of have a brutal schedule. Uh, you know, he's next start is at Toronto. He's going to miss the at New York, but then it looks like Philadelphia and then Boston are going to be the two starts after that. I just I don't love the way that kind of matches up and. Um, I don't want to spend fab on a guy who's going to have that kind of schedule in the near future. Cause who knows how long he's going to be up for if, mm. if there are struggles like this. So it's just uh, mistakes they, for me today, by the way, it was also a video, not an article, but I did okay. enjoy it. That's it. I just put it in the thing. So he's, he's got a really nice break. It's called the breakdown. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just put the tweet in it. And I, when I watched, I remember watching this, I think on Friday morning, uh, or Thursday morning, I was like, "That's insightful." I would like to see more of these. You um, did, so did a follow-up piece to it too, I think, though. Great. Um, uh, I just found the video and I was like, "That's." Okay. I remember. I'll see if I can find. Oh, hey, look. Okay. I'll see if I can find the follow-up piece to All it right. as well. So, well, Blake, if you're listening, apologies, dude. <laughs> uh, Blake's awesome. So, uh, moving on to the next guy, we have Christian Walker. Um, and some people are, who play in deeper leagues, like, well, Christian Walker is not available. He's available in like. 70% of CBS leagues, which caters to 12 team leagues, right? Wow. Now, which is insanity um, and available, I think, in around 50% of online championship leagues. So um, he, you know, check your wire, but he has been hot as heck so far early in the season, kind of looking like a vintage version of himself uh, in a year where he was kind of forgotten in a lot of drafts. Um, Jason, where are you out on Christian Walker? Is this a guy you're uh, running to the wire to pick up in your 10s and 12s? 
Well, I mean, I, some of this obviously was inflated by the the 25 mile an hour wind blown game in Wrigley. Uh, he had two bombs in that game, right? Or was it? Did he have two? Because I know Josh Rojas had three. Rojas had three. Peralta had two. I think Walker maybe just had one. Just one. He had just had one. Okay. Uh, so I'm looking at his numbers. Over the last 30 days, he's 223, 298, 515 uh, over the last 30 days. But that still puts him in the top 50 because that's where offense mm-hmm. is these days. So he's still in the top 50 uh, of qualified hitters uh, for things. And he, he's somebody that plays every day. So I'm, I'm honestly surprised to hear his availability given his potential. Because, again, he's out there every day. He's shown power potential. Uh, we, we know uh, he's shown it. I mean, not potential. He has shown power production, and we know what he's capable of. And so I'm surprised he's been, he's, he would be hanging out there in that percentage of leagues. Um, but, again, I could, over the last 30 days, again, people see those numbers. They may be like, eh, but it, it, that's what it is. The league average OPS over the past 30 days is 736, and he's at 812. So he's above average. Even though the numbers don't look good, that is still above average in this current environment. Uh, Kurt, I'm gonna I'm gonna correct my mistake, and and I mean I'm sure it's moved since I wrote this up, but um, he's only available now in 56 percent uh, of CBS leagues. It's still more than half. So go and check out your wires, uh, Eric. What are your thoughts on Christian Walker? Do you think this kind of power boom is sustainable for him? Yeah, I actually had him in pretty much all of my NFBC lineups that I roster him in this week, just because I was, you know. The underlying metrics were telling us that there was going to be a little bit of a power explosion because he's hitting the ball really hard. Um, and this week, you know, definitely worked uh, in that in favor of that. And I think that there are a lot of people who probably have him rostered um, and maybe aren't playing him because, you know, he's hitting 201 on the season. And so you look at some of these uh, like surface level stats and you're like, you know, prior to this week where now he has 10 home runs and you love that. Um, but his batting average is really low. He is on a team, you know, that uh, doesn't have a great offense. So, like, he has 10 home runs and 19 RBIs. Um, So it's not like he's driving in huge chunk runs. But the, you know, the 15.6% barrel rate, 48.6% hard hit rate, you know, just this week, he was second in all of baseball and home runs this week. He was in the top 15 in barrel rate this week. Like, the dude is hitting the ball hard. He has a 192 Babbitt. Like, that, that is going to regress. He's a 294 career Babbitt um, hitter. So, like, the batting average is going to tick up because he's hitting the ball so hard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm interested in any league where he's available. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to roster him if I can. It, it's already you're already starting to see it in the May numbers. He's in 261 during the month of May. Uh, the bat that Babbitt is up to 255, uh, six home runs, 12 RBIs, um, a 12 and a half percent walk rate while only striking out 20 percent of the time. Um, he's doing this by swinging outside of the zone less and just making really good contact within the zone. Um, I think this is completely legitimate. I you know you got to wonder like how much of the struggles. Uh, you know, last year um, were injury related. He was a guy who was kind of nicked up uh, uh, quite a bit. So, um, yeah, I, I this is kind of perfect for Arizona too, right? I mean, they're trying to compete right now, but I don't think they've got the talent to do so. And, and Walker will be an attractive trade piece um, at the deadline, which means he's going to end up likely on a better team and, and most likely a better uh, better park um, because you know Arizona is not the best park for hitting. So. Um, 
Yeah, I like Christian Walker a lot. I'm surprised he is available in as many leagues as he is. Uh, this this is a mistake. Um, it's people not wanting to drop their higher drafted assets um, this early into the season, but you should be doing that and picking up Christian Walker if he is available in your league or going and trading for him in your trade leagues mm-hmm. uh, where he's still showing what, like a 201 batting average for the season or something like that. Yeah. 201 like batting average for yeah. the season. So go and see if you can try to get him a little bit cheaper than he may be two or three weeks from now when that average is uh, boosted back up by what he's been doing, especially in the, over the course of this month. Uh, the next guy I want to talk about is Eli white. This is probably more of a deep league play, but Eli White is doing what Eli White does, and that is steal bases. Um, and on a bad Rangers team where he's going to likely get a fair amount of playing time moving forward, how aggressive would you be on Eli White, Jason? So it's funny you bring him up because I was, I was texting last night with our friend Yancey Eaton, uh, and I forgot how Eli White came up, and he goes, oh, I like Eli White. I'm like, Maybe we're talking about Ruben Mateo. Uh, and I was like, you do realize that White has like the second or third highest sprint speed right now in baseball. And he's like, that real? I'm like, that's real. Uh, and so it's it's Bobby Witt Jr. And then it's Eli White. Uh, and then it's Ruben Mateo. So as fast as Mateo is, White is the next guy. But I was the other reason why is a couple of weeks ago when Willie Calhoun got sent down and AL Tout, or Labor rather, I had no option. I had nobody else. Uh, and then Rick and Glenn were like, hey, we'll trade Eli We'll trade Eli White for a reservable or an injured pitcher. And at the time, I had Jeffrey Springs, who had just come off the IL. I don't know. You know I'm having troubles in offense in that league, but I had a lot of pitching. Uh, and so I was like, well, hey, Springs doesn't need to come off the IL for another week. Uh, so you, well, let's do that trade. Uh, and so it's worked out well for both teams <clears throat> because you know they've got – Springs has been pitching progressively better, looked fantastic yesterday against Baltimore, and I've gotten the steals that I need out of White. Now, White hasn't hit much. I think he's hit 190 this month, but when he's on base, he's running. He has six stolen bases this month, uh, and I could use any offensive production I can get. So I'm not – I wasn't getting him expecting anything more than steals, and he certainly has helped me in that category. So, you know, you look at some of the other things that they've done in that organization. They just demoted Nick Solak, who I didn't realize even had options. It feels like he's been up and down for six seasons now. Uh, but they sent Nick Solak down. They already sent Willie Calhoun down. Uh, and so it's like White could continue to play or pinch run and steal bases uh, type of thing. And so in a deeper format, he's not – I don't know how he's rosterable in a, in a mixed league unless you're in a very, very deep one, or you've got enough power to absorb that kind of Billy Hamilton profile uh, right now. But in a in an AL only, like I'm in two of them or three of them, uh, you know, he's somebody that I would want to have on my roster because he's running right now. And, and Chris Woodward's given the opportunity to do so. I think he's been on base uh, 15 times between walks and singles. He has one extra base hit this month. He had a home run. Uh, but when he is on first base, either via the walk, via the single, Almost half the time, he's in motion, and that's a good thing. Eric, any interest in Eli White? I'm going to be more tepid. Um, I think I, I understand Jason's point in AL only leagues, and I will. I fully agree with it. You know, this is a guy who's hitting 207, even though he's rocking a 324 BABIP. He has a 34 uh, percent strikeout rate. Um, so the speed is real. The hitting profile is not good. Um, and then, you know. Our old friend Leody Tavares is hitting three <laughs> nine is hitting three nineteen in AAA for Texas. 
Um, listen, that's still also a problematic uh, plate profile. He's got a 24% strikeout rate and 6% walk rate. But, you know, through 33 games in AAA, he's hitting 319 with five home runs, six stolen bases. He was a big-time prospect for the Rangers. Um, you know, if there's one thing we know Leody Tavares can do, it's also run. So if all you're getting from Eli White after the next few weeks is stolen bases, but with a really poor batting average and a lot of strikeouts, the Rangers may just say, we can get the same thing out of Leody Tavares. And if he's still hitting, you know, in the mid 300s in AAA, you know, by, you know, the middle of June or whatever, I'm I'm also not ruling out that they give him another shot. Um, At some point, you know, they need to determine if he's going to wind up being a thing or not for them. Um, And, you know, Tavares is only 23 years old, so he's still a young prospect. So, you know, I think if you really need steals, I'm not opposed to putting – a smallish bid on EY white, because we know that when he gets on base, he's running. I just don't know in, you know, in mixed leagues, even if you're in a deep mixed league, I don't necessarily feel so confident in the runway um, that I think, you know, if he continues to struggle for the next couple of weeks, then I don't know that he's definitely locked into, um, you know, playing time for them. And there are some weeks where like, you know, he stole one base this week, which is fine. Um, but when you're yeah. not getting on, you can't run. He also stole it the first game of the week. Right, exactly. Um, because Shelly and I picked him up in uh, in the tag team league, and I was all like, put him in the lineup, and this Shelly was the one who kind of uh, kind of advocated for him. I was like, you're not great. Let's, let's try to get some stolen bases here. Got a stolen base in his – might have been his first time on base. I think it was his first time on base this week, and then has not – I don't even know if he's gotten on base since – um, if he has, I don't think it was via a hit. It might have been via a walk because he's hit like, I think, 100 this week or something like that. Um, so, yeah, uh, unfortunately, like the underlying skills outside of the speed are atrocious. He's got a 68% zone contact uh, right now. Um, he strikes out a ton. It, the strikeout rate is supported by just an awful swing strike rate. Swings outside of the zone way too much. Uh, this is like bad, bad Billy Hamilton. Um, and yeah, I, I, if you if you're looking for a, a cheap speed play in the deeper league, I understand it because he is tied for like sixth in Major League Baseball in stolen bases right now. I just don't understand how uh, the Rangers will be able to continue to run him out there when they do have other options in the minor leagues that. Like Eric just said, they should be figuring out if these guys are part of the long-term plans or not. Um, I, I understand, you know, wanting guys to get full-time reps in the minor leagues, but when you're running out guys like, you know, Eli White, um, and I'm, I love Brad Miller, but like, why is Brad Miller playing over these guys on a rebuilding team when they should be finding out if Nick Solak, um, you're on mute, Jason, uh, Leota Tavares and these guys Didn't are. Did him a multi-year deal? Didn't Brad, I thought Brad Miller got two years. Oh, God. If they, if, they gave him, if they gave him two years, that would explain why he's playing every day or if he's playing against righties. They did. They did give oh, him a two okay. years. There you go. That's why. <laughs> I also, like, I, I asked, you know, James Anderson about this um, when I talked to him on on our uh, my podcast, too. But, like, I also look at, you know, the Rangers have, have Bubba Thompson in AAA – 
who's stolen 20 bases already in 30 games. Um, granted, he has a 1.4% walk rate and a 29.3% strikeout rate. So the, the Rangers really love these like speedy outfielders with just awful, awful plate discipline profiles. But there are a lot of former top prospects in that same mold within the organization that I do feel like if that winds up being the only thing they get from EY White, it's like, let's try Leone Tavares. Let's try, you know, Bubba Thompson, who's a former first round pick. Like, you know, they may go that route, like Justin was saying, when they're not fully competitive and just say, okay, are, I, are any of these guys going to be anything? Um, and just try to see if, you know, they can catch lightning in a bottle with one of these, one of these guys who make some improvements and sticks. Yeah, I mean, I when you have Eli White and Cole Calhoun as your corner outfielders, who are clearly not going to be a part of the next great Rangers team, I think you make that argument for Dolis Garcia um, as well. You know, in spite of what he put, you know, brought to the uh, team last year, he's twenty nine. Like he's not probably part of the next good Rangers team. Um, like, why not find out if Nick Solak and Willie Calhoun and Leody Tavares are major league players and are going to be a part of that next great team? They've also got Sharon and Apostle just wasting away in AAA as well. So I, I don't know what the Rangers are doing, but I'm not super interested in Eli White uh, moving forward unless you're just desperate for stolen bases. Um, next guy is Brady Singer, who I believe has a pretty decent to start i'm gonna double check no he's, he's actually starting today they called oh. him up to start today well that changes things um what are your thoughts though eric on brady singer um i think you know obviously just to get the obvious out of the way um a lot will depend on the start today mm -hmm. uh the start against the the white Sox um early in the week i think it was on tuesday was really good um, you know, 38% whiff rate, 43% um, CSW. He struck out uh, nine and seven shutout innings. So anytime you see that, you're like, oh, okay, you know, I want to take note. But, you know, this is a former top prospect who, like almost all of the Royals' former top pitching prospects, has seemed to, you know, go stagnant at the major league level. Um, you know, he he's, does not have a swing and miss fastball. Um, it's a sinker that, that pitches to contact. Um, he does spot it well. So like he got a lot of called strikes against the White Sox. The slider was great, um, against the White Sox, but he puts a lot of, it puts a lot of pressure on that slider because the sinker is really just a, a location pitch for him. So I'm, I'm trying not to get overly optimistic about one start. Um, you know, what I did notice which could be intriguing and what I'll watch today is he threw the changeup way more against the White Sox than he was throwing it earlier in the season. And obviously that's um, a little bit impacted by the fact that they had, he started and they moved him for the bullpen for a little bit, then they sent him down. So when he was in the bullpen, he was not throwing three pitches as much, uh, but the changeup was really good for him against the White Sox. So if he goes out again on Sunday and is throwing three true pitches and the slider and the changeup are both missing bats, then I feel less concerned about the fact that his sinker is really just a ground ball location pitch. Um, and then I become a little bit more optimistic. Uh, but, you know, today's against the Twins, who are – and Correa is on the bench. 
So then you're kind of like, okay, I don't want to overreact to a start against a very mediocre Twins offense. Um, I will say this. His start later in the week is against the Twins as well. Okay. And it's going to be at home, which I believe today is on the road. So better pitching in Kauffman Stadium. Going to go face the same team that he's going up against today if he stays in the rotation. Jason, Mm -hmm. what are your uh, thoughts on Brady Singer? I mean, he looked very good against uh, the White Sox. And you go to a StatCast page, you see a bunch of red ink right now. Uh, you know, if, if it had been a two-start week, it'd be, ooh, that'd be interesting. And it, it, as Eric said, with the mediocre twins on them, part of that, that was weird. Was that on my end? No, that was uh, somebody is, I'll mute myself. Somebody's revving a motorcycle outside my window. <laughs> oh, I was like, what dropped? <laughs> uh, and... Uh, like Buxton has since he's been trying to play through this this um, hip issue uh, has has not been well since he came back uh, from not going on the IL just take a couple of days off you know maybe we should you know put a pin back in that one um, with that but he struggled there so yeah it'd be worth as you said he's got sometimes it's a little risky going with the same guy going with a guy who's got two matchups against the same team back-to-back like that, but you know what, what, what Springer did against the White Sox certainly made us sit up and take notice. I mean, because that's, you know, seven shutout, nine strikeouts, uh, and we know, you know, not you know, like Eric said, though, we've seen this before from uh, Kansas City, who's just had a tough time getting guys to make it to the majors and then live up to their reputation. That's always been my fear. You know, we, we've often talked on this on this show about oh, Milwaukee's got a good guy. You know, Eric talked uh, opened about talking about how he wrote up Eric Lauer. And it's like Eric Lauer was so terrible with San Diego, and Milwaukee's like, here, let me have you. We're going to do something. Wham! Uh, and and here they go. So we we have trust in organizations like Milwaukee about turning things in the pitchers, uh, turning pitchers into something rather. And conversely, we look at Kansas City. We're like. <laughs> Uh, what's your track record? Cause, and, and their fans are clamoring for Cal Eldred to get canned. Clint, when the, so when they fired Terry Bradshaw, they're like, all right, great. Now do Cal Eldred. And Cal Eldred is still there uh, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I've been a, a singer guy in the past and gotten burned. And so this is, this is a really difficult one for me. He did look really good. Like you guys mentioned in that, uh, that White Sox start. Um I think I'm rolling with him and, and, and throwing some bids on him if he looks good today, uh, like you guys mentioned. So um, that Minnesota team has has its moments, but it still uh, it has not been great offensively outside of what Buxton has previously done. So um, I think I would roll with him, uh, but I might be a little bit more interested in our next guy, which is James Caprellian, who does have a two-star, and the reason why he is on this, uh, he's going to be uh, at Seattle uh, and then home in Oakland versus Texas. Jason, what are your thoughts on James Caprellian, who after a first or a rough first uh, go in his first game at the majors this year, has been really, really good in his last three starts, going at least five innings in each of them, uh, and has a 281 ERA in that span. Yeah, I'd be aggressive if he's still available in your league. Um, with on paper, you know, he's got he's got Seattle and Texas this week too. All we've already talked about Texas uh, and Seattle struggling. Uh, you know, their offensive. Yeah, they they, they signed Justin Upton. We'll talk a little bit more about Seattle, uh, but their offense has been struggling too. So on paper, these are great matchups uh, for Caprellian. So if you're somebody who has a spot in your roster where you're continuing to stream guys and he is available, this is this 
should likely be your primary target um, because he's got the, the really, really nice two-start week. And he's somebody you can, as you said, he's been pitching well up to this point. And so this isn't something that you just, I'm going to take him for the two and then move on to the next option. You can keep him around uh, with that. Or if he stinks, then you can cut him. You've got the flexibility. But you know, when you look at what's on what's on slate this week, for the two-star week, like last week, you know, we talked about a number of these two-star guys. This isn't like a Wade Miley situation, which worked out really well, yay. Uh, but there were a couple other guys that we said, oh, hey, this will, and, and it hasn't uh, with that. So, you know, with Caprellian, yeah, primary primary target in leagues where he's still sitting around uh, for this weekend and the near future. Eric, where are you at on Caprellian? You're on mute. The motorcycle's gone. Sorry, the motorcycle's gone, so I'm, uh, I can get my <laughs> unmute myself. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with Jason in the sense that I I think that he could he's a priority if you're looking for a two start this week. Um, you know, I just I echo what Jason's saying about the offenses that he's facing. I I'm a little cautious that like the three starts that he had that were good were Minnesota, Detroit, Minnesota. Um, you know, Detroit's one of the worst offenses um, in baseball right now. All right, Paul. Um, and yeah, sorry. Uh, there's listen. I I will say like you know in you know hopefully Paul has a nice summer with them because I coming into the year thought that they'd be a surprise playoff contender because I did like a lot of the the pieces in their lineup. Um, but it hasn't clicked. Uh, you know, Caprellian really just uses the the four seam and the slider. Um, I do like that he's using the slider way more this year, and the slider has been a pretty good pitch for him. Um, and he's actually throwing the slider two miles an hour faster. Uh, than he did in years past, even though the the fastball velocity is only up a little bit more. So that's something that might be worth digging into is like what changes has he made to the slider? Because it's been lights out for him uh, currently this year. So I like that. Um, I just, I would be concerned a little bit long-term because I think that really he just has the slider and the rest of the profile doesn't really intrigue me. Um, so I like it for this week. Uh, I personally would be looking at him as a week-to-week guy, depending on matchups. Two-start, great, and he might be the guy I cut next week for another two-start guy. Yeah, I think that's fair because as much as I, I've liked Capelli in the past, I do. I look over it as like a Statcast page. It is pretty blue, um, and so I think he's more of a matchups-dependent guy. This is a great week to you know take advantage of those matchups, like Jason mentioned. Um, but I, I do worry about the long-term viability, especially as things start to heat up in Oakland. I mean, it's still going to play well as a pitcher's park, but I think more things will will head out of there as the season goes on. So um, like him for the short term, I wouldn't be overly aggressive uh, unless you are planning on making him a team streamer. I don't know that I would do that necessarily yet, though. Uh, the next guy, uh, once again, I believe he has a two-start is uh, Tucker Davidson, he is got uh, he's home versus the Phillies, and then home versus Marlins. Uh, the Marlins on Saturday. Uh, where are you at on Tucker Davidson? Is this too risky of an early week matchup to try to get that two start, Eric? Yeah, I actually, um, you know, I I tried my hand at a little. Uh, a sub stack thing this week. And I sent out uh, something this morning on Twitter that I called the Samolsky Sunday Tribune, uh, looking at like last week's leaders in certain categories. And then I ranked all of the two start pitchers. Um, and I have like 
Tucker Davidson down below, like, you know, Dylan Bundy and Zach Davies and, and guys oh, wow. like that. Um, just because, you know, well, uh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm super worried about the, the first start. Um, you know, this is a guy who was missing bats in AAA, but was also, you know, getting hit relatively hard and um, had pretty middling results in AAA. Uh, you know, we talked about James Caprellian being essentially just a slider only pitcher, um, and that's basically Tucker Davidson. Um, he throws his fastball and slider essentially 90% of the time combined. Um, and his four seam gets so far this year, it's small sample size, but his four seam has been getting crushed. So he's really just a slider pitcher. Um, and, you know, I know we saw Kyle Wright kind of emerge for the Braves as like a one time hot prospect who then struggled, who now is back. Um, and Tucker Davidson was a one time hot prospect who struggled, but I don't necessarily think that he's back. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit, worried uh and i think that those matchups are are not great where are you at on davidson jason uh right right in the same area as eric is it's you know i'm of what we've talked about earlier i still want caprellian much more than this uh i would put davidson more you know last week i was confident like hey give me wade miley like i'm not that confident going after davidson this week that philly matchup really scares me uh the miami one's more neutral but that philly one could get ugly uh and they have put a hurting you know, after what i'm still super impressed with it against the dodgers recently uh the clubs hitting uh and the the, the phillies and i really don't want that davidson start uh there that so i'm out this week yeah, I'm I'm with you guys, so I won't I won't rehash everything you already said because we're already uh, over an hour, and I want to finish up with kind of the mess in Seattle. Uh, Kyle Lewis is expected to be activated uh, tomorrow if he's not activated tonight. So, you know, he is going to be available in a lot of fab leagues and probably fl- uh, flies under the radar in a number of leagues. So I'm wondering how uh, aggressive you guys would be, Jason. What are your thoughts on Kyle Lewis? Uh, poised to make his debut this season after starting the year with injury uh, for Seattle tomorrow. Yeah, I have him one of my drafting holds, so I'm excited to be able to finally use him uh, with that. And, you know, they've made the, like I said, the, the team has struggled offensively last year. Yeah, they had so much success in those one run games this year. They're just not playing many one run games uh, because they, they're not scoring runs. I mean, Ty France is doing a decent job. Um, as we mentioned earlier, Julio Rodriguez has finally started you know, hitting uh, and it's not striking out like two out of every three plate appearances uh, with that. But overall, they're they're struggling to put offense together. Uh, but I mean, you've seen some signs of life. Kyle Lewis, he, he's got the power speed combo, but injuries have always gotten in his way. Uh, but again, I'm excited to use him uh, here. I would be moderately aggressive with him. Uh, because when he comes in the lineup, he should be right in the middle. It's not like he's going to be hanging down there at the bottom. He's not going to be up high, but they did just lose Abraham Toro uh, to the IL as well. And so there's a spot for him sitting right there in the middle of the lineup. And if that team can get going, uh, he could be a catalyst. Eric, where are you out on uh, Kyle Lewis? Is he a guy you're going to go after this week? Yeah, I'll put some tempered bids in on him because, you know, as Jason mentioned, injuries have always gotten in the way and I don't want to bank on injuries. I'm not going to say, Hey, Kyle Lewis is definitely going to get hurt this year, but I also think you need to factor that in when you are making a bid on a player is like, I might get three weeks of production, four weeks of production. And then that it might not last. Um, 
But he did a lot of things last year that were really intriguing to me, and albeit he only played 36 games, so it's a small sample size. But he improved the strikeout rate for the second year in a row in the major leagues. He had started to pull the ball way more last year. He'd started to lift the ball way more last year. Um, His barrel rates have always been really strong. So, you know, you've got a young guy pulling hard contact and lifting hard contact should lead to a little bit more power. We obviously didn't get to see that play out last year because um, he didn't make it through the season, Uh, you know, doing well in AAA on his rehab right now, uh, you know, hitting 324 uh, with uh, three home runs, 12 RBIs. He's got a 1.057 OPS. Again, it's AAA, so you know we don't want to just extrapolate that out. But it's nice that he is swinging the bat well currently. Um, and you know they, as Jason said, they need him right now. So I think you know um, he's going to play. I would imagine they, you know, they're pretty judicious with some days off here and there, so they don't run him into the ground. But if you're in a deep league. Uh, you know, if you're in a 15 team league, I think he's got the upside that's worth um, rostering. And if you're in a 12 team and you have a spot on your bench that somebody isn't really like in, you know, really doing it for you, like he could be a guy you throw on the bench. You don't play him this week, but he's there as an upside play if you have somebody that you think you're happy to get rid of. Um, so, yeah, I'm intrigued by him. Yeah. Um- I love Kyle Lewis um, and have for a really long time. The problem has been injuries, um, and it's been absolutely brutal. I mean, this guy has just not been able to stay healthy. I think people forget he was like a top 25 prospect in all of baseball at one point in the minor leagues, but injuries have just derailed uh, derailed that prospect uh, pedigree and then derailed him even after a real nice start to his major league career. He's one of those guys, if you could turn off injuries like you can in MLB The Show, like he would be uh, a superstar, I think. Um, and I think he still has that potential in him. You know, we've seen guys who get that injury-prone uh, moniker um, shake it off uh, at some point in their career. I don't think he's there yet, obviously, considering he's coming off of injury right now. But I think he should be rostered in just about every format. Um, I think he's got that kind of talent. Uh, the... Mariners hopefully will do a good job of trying to protect him by letting him DH mostly. Uh, but, you know, they, they may be forced to play him in the outfield um, if other guys get healthy and they want to try to figure out ways uh, to get him in the lineup. So I am going to throw some tempered bids similar to Eric um, just because I don't want to blow triple digits worth of fab on a guy that, could next week could be back on the IL because of his health history. So mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping he flies on the, under the radar uh, in a number of leagues. Uh, in some leagues, he will not be available. If you play in NFBC and he was not drafted, he will not be available this week. So just uh, keep a, uh, an eye out on that um, in leagues where he needs to have made his debut for the season already. He may not be available. It's always but, good to keep scrolling down and check. Like I picked up O'Neill Cruz last week for three dollars in a league. Mm-hmm. Somebody drafted him and cut him, so he's available. And I was just I had a spot to burn. And I was like, hey, this maybe fingers crossed Pittsburgh will call him up at some point. Who knows? Uh, but you know, it's always worth you forget who was drafted. Uh, and honestly, I forgot. I was just kind of scrolling through, and I was like, oh my goodness, look who's sitting there. And I was the only bid. Well, and this is why I like like the player search function on NFBC. Not not when you're in your league, but at the top right hand corner, you can uh, click. They have a tab on each player pages to let you know where they're available in fab. 
So in all of your leagues, so if you're like me and you play in a bunch of leagues, you can click that tab and find all, all the spots on even put bids on, uh, on that page as well. So, um, but definitely check your league to see if Kyle Lewis is available uh, because I think he is, like I said, one of those guys that if people are searching by plate appearances or by at bats, they're not going to, he's not going to pop up because he hasn't played yet this year. Um, and I don't think he's the kind of star that people uh, are, are remembering might be coming back. So mm-hmm. um, I would definitely put at least some cursory bids on him to try to get him for cheap. Uh, that is going to wrap us up for this episode. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. I, I have a blast. I always love this is like, you know, one of those uh, bucket list podcasts. So I'm always happy to be on here. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I'll remind everybody where you can reach on social media and plug everything you got going on. Yeah, so you can reach me on social media on Twitter at SamskyNYC. Uh, you can check out all my fantasy content over at rotoballer.com. Early next week, I will have the next installment of uh, pitchers with new pitches and, and should we care, looking at um, in particular Tyler Malley uh, and um, Framber Valdez's new cutter, which is Luis Garcia's cutter, basically. Um, so we'll be digging into that kind of stuff. And uh, my video on Eric Lauer is currently up on. Um, the Rotoballer YouTube page, and you can also find that on my Twitter account. So go check that out. Well, that is what I'm going to be doing first after uh, uh, we end this podcast. Is going to watch that Eric Lauer uh, video because um, uh, he is carrying our pitching staff in the tag team league. Thanks to Shelly uh, helping us target him in in at the end of the draft. Uh, Jason, where can you be reached, and what are you working on? Uh, at Jason Collette on Twitter, article coming out on RotoWire about um, folks, about RBIs. Essentially, there are some guys that are way over their skis on, on you look at their RBI production this year, uh, because as we've often said, RBI is a skill of opportunity. Uh, for example, Andres, going into play Thursday, Andres Jimenez was leading the league with batting average with runners in scoring position, hitting like 462. That's why he has 19 RBIs in the season. Uh, but like volume wise, uh, there are guys out there that are leaving a bunch of production on the table and, you know, everybody has Juan Soto's like, yeah, I know I have Juan Soto. You know, the fact that like as of Thursday, he had driven in three runners all season he had eight solo shots and he had three, he had three other RBIs. So he had driven in only three times he had driven in somebody other than himself. Uh, but there were other guys in that list. Uh, nobody's trading Juan Soto. But Jonathan Scope, who's got a history of run productions on that list, same list. Joey Gallo was on that list. Uh, we saw what Bobby Dalbeck did this past summer once he got hot. So, like, there's a lot of names sitting on that list of underproducing, leaving opportunities on the table that I figured we should put some spotlight on. Like, hey, maybe go get some of these guys on the cheap right now. Man, froze mid sign off. There we go. <laughs> Conversely, it's like it's, the, cl- it's the cliffhanger. Right. So I was gonna say it's the cliffhanger for your article. You're like, and I'm gonna leave it there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Go I, check I'm it tethered. out. The crazy thing too is I'm tethered. It's not like I'm on crappy Wi-Fi. I cannot wait till Google Fiber's done being installed in my neighborhood so I can get it. <laughs> Anywho, uh, so it's like some guys that are overperforming. I think I believe on the top of the list was like Rowdy Tellez, who has made the absolute most of his opportunities. So things like that. That should be hitting uh, the website on Monday. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, you can read uh, my work where I'm writing daily over at Fangraphs. Um, also on this, uh, the TGFBI podcast and the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast. That is going to wrap us up for this episode. For Eric, Jason, and myself, thank you for listening. A fantastic baseball season.